Hello, everybody, and welcome to Imposter Women. This is the show that tells you that you are not an imposter and helps you tackle your life and business goals unapologetically and with confidence. I'm your host, Jesse Linder Gallo, and I'm so excited to be here with my co-host today, Lauren Troxtel. Hi, everyone. In today's episode, we are going to be talking to our guest, Tracy Milocrane, on how to legally protect your online business. She has so many gold nuggets in this recording, and there's just so much that I've learned. I just couldn't stop taking notes, and <laughs> and she made law and legal protections sexy and fun. Yes. When we like finished this recording, we hit stop, and we were both like, oh my gosh, we're on a high right now. <laughs> Um, so for everybody listening to, I'm just so excited for our listeners to hear this and for our imposter women community to take this in because I think legal things in general can be very intimidating on many of the conversations we have with her in this episode are things that we've been intimidated by. And we've talked amongst ourselves about how are you dealing with this? How are you dealing with this? I don't know what I'm doing with this thing. And Tracy makes it so simple. So I'm so excited for everyone to hear this episode. Yeah, and she really dives into setting up your risk mitigation strategy and then also about copyright and trademarks. So we dive deep into those two topics and it's just fascinating all the things that you will learn in this episode. Absolutely. Let's dive right in. Let's meet our guest. Tracy Mylocrane is a confidently unconventional business lawyer, a generous problem solver, and a witty conversationalist with a no BS attitude. She founded her online virtual business, TM Solicitor, with an empower ethos designed to educate and empower over 5,000 business owners and entrepreneurs to uplevel and protect their impact and their legacy. Her vision is to shift the business landscape by lifting the confidence of owners and entrepreneurs to build long-term sustainable businesses. Tracy, we are so excited to have you on Imposter Women with us today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jesse. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, if you would just kick us off, we'd love to hear a little bit more about your business and what you do. Absolutely. I love talking about this. And honestly, I think this is one of those topics I could talk about for days. As you've said, I'm an online law practice and cutting straight to it, I'm all about doing law differently because I come from the corporate law background. And, you know, when you say the word lawyer, people's eyes glaze over and they go, oh my gosh. And oh, I, I feel this so much because I honestly get the same, I have the same reaction, um, which is why I left corporate in the first place. So I've set up my business to make sure that we are doing all we can to provide really valuable information to small business owners so that they know all the things they need to know in a really not boring, not dull and dry kind of way. Like I don't think it needs to be like that. So that's what I do. So I really do um, have an empower ethos, which really is about enriching lives. You know, I really want to enrich the lives of my clients. And what that means is using the law as a tool to educate and empower. It shouldn't be overwhelming. It certainly shouldn't be inaccessible. And it should be something that small business owners understand and use it to be confident when they're growing their business and when they're running their business on the day-to-day -day basis. So that's, that's really what we do and why we do it. That's amazing. I'm so curious, Tracy, like how did you come up with this idea? Because it is super different. I can't think of more than maybe one other person who does law this way. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, Jesse, I sort of stumbled into it. So the short version is I had a really busy legal practice in litigation and dispute resolution for probably the first 12 or so years of my career. And that was really fine because I was single. I had no life. I devoted my entire existence to work. Um, it was really stressful and intense and I was putting on weight. And so I thought I'm successful because this is what you look around and all the lawyers are doing this and they're all really unhealthy and we all, you know, lots of wine and lunches and things like that because it's so intense and stressful. So I thought I was doing really well. And then one day, it feels like one day, I'm sure it happened over time, I met my now husband and I didn't want kids until I wanted kids, you know, and then I wanted kids. And that journey in itself was really challenging to fall pregnant with my son. It just wasn't happening. And 
hindsight, we look back on reflection and according to my medical people, um, stress, 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 stress. It's like, oh my gosh, of course. But at the time you don't see it. So when I had my little boy, who's now eight, within three weeks of having him, I rang my business partner and said, I'm never coming back to the law ever because it's so intense and to do it well, you've got to give it your all. And I figured something's going to give here. Let's not make it the parenting thing. So I took that plunge and I said, that's it, I'm out. And I did, I got out. And then I went on to have my daughter um, less than two years later. That clearly wasn't planned. And I spent five years teaching law at ANU, at the Australian National University in the law school. And I was really chill and I was raising these little people and I was teaching law. So I really was enriching lives of these soon-to-be law graduates. But one day... I had this aha moment and it was both of my children are going to be in full-time school next year. If I don't do something now, I'm going to be in academia forever and I'm never going to get out. And that wasn't in a bad way because it's flexible and it's fluid and it gives you the um, the time you need to parent and, and have a life. And I was on the PhD path and I was going to go down that path. I thought, if I don't get out now, I'll be here forever. Do I want to do this forever? And it was a really clear, hell no, I don't want to do this forever. And at that moment, and I remember sitting in the chair in my bedroom and I thought, well, I don't want to go back to corporate. I don't want to be one of those parents that's really stressed out every morning at school at drop off and pick up and you can't make it to assemblies and you really stress out when someone gets sick. What am I going to do? And I thought maybe, just maybe, I could practice law in a way that lends itself to how I want to live my life and so that I can be present with my family, but in a way that deals with the pain points for the clients that I had. And that was coming to me later after everything's gone wrong and the you-know-what's already hit the fan and they need help in court or or whatever, and two, travelling to see me. And I grew up in small country, rural New South Wales here in Australia, so I was very familiar with issues with accessibility. My dad was really unwell um, not long before I made this decision and it was just really tough getting good quality medical advice and guidance and attention when you needed it. So I thought, you know what, what about if I practice law in a way where people actually don't need to come and sit across the table from me and where I can act for people all across the country because I'll do it in the same way I've been teaching these law graduates because they've been everywhere. Let's give it a crack and see how it goes. That's it. That's the story. That's how I made the decision. And this, I'm very, very happy to say, was pre-COVID. So I was already set up, ready to roll when that happened, which was just sheer dumb luck. But that's how it came to be. And it's just morphed into what it is today. So clearly there's a demand for it and clearly clients find the accessibility issue um, as valuable as what I was hoping that they would. That's the story. That's how I came to be. That's how I landed in this in this really fortunate position and this privileged position where I get to help so many people all across Australia who I would not otherwise have ever met. That is such an inspiring story to and that's something that we're trying so hard here at Imposter Women to work on and focus on is creating figuring out what that lifestyle is that you want so that you can have time with your family or your friends or take care of your parents or travel the world, whatever that may be, and still do something that you love. And I just love how you went down these different paths and just realized, nope, that's not for me, but I want to morph it into this. And so it was just a really inspiring story to hear. Oh, thank you. It's just, it's, it's so from the heart and it's just so easy to tell, which is why I could just talk about it for, for so long. And I just love when people ask me that question. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, it's so good to hear because it is, I think, incredibly relatable to so many people. And like Lauren said, regardless of if that walk of life they're on right now is kids or caring for parents or following a passion, like I think so many of us have struggled with that exact burnout and trying to balance everything. Like there's so many facets there that I think um, many of us can relate to. Um, so really cool that you've taken this unique path. I also love, I think one of the things that's really cool about the way you practice law, Tracy, is that 
I also love that it meets business owners where they are because there's this massive boom of online businesses. And like you said, a lot of people are not really comfortable walking into a law office. That's a a potentially big expense, right? That's like something we hear all the time. So you think the second you start talking, the the dollar signs start (laughs) raising. Yes, 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 that's right. Yes, the billable hour. Yes. Oh, yes. I don't do that in my business. We don't do billable hours. Mm. I think it's fantastic because it takes one of the most important topics in business and makes it accessible. Would you maybe talk a little bit about that piece of it? So I'd love to hear you share just a little bit of, as you're working with entrepreneurs, setting up businesses, like what are those topics that you're addressing with them right off the bat? Um, And if you would even go into a little bit of what are those legal protections someone should be thinking about from the get-go? Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to, Jesse. So as I said a moment ago, the first part of my career for more than 12 years was spent in court, litigation and dispute resolution. Sadly, it's not like TV. It's really not like Suits or The Good Wife or any of those really juicy shows. It's not that cool, especially for the clients, okay, because they're the ones in those positions of stress. And the second you start talking about court, you can just multiply those dollar signs by 10. That's what it's going to cost you. It's mind-blowing, the costs and the time. So what I do now, I don't do any court work anymore. Um, I don't do it because, one, It doesn't lend itself to the lifestyle I want. That intensity and stress is just not lending itself to being present for myself and for my family. But I don't see the real value for me lying in litigation and dispute resolution for clients. I see it in the preventative, so the setup, so the protections. So now my business is focused on working with entrepreneurs and business owners to set themselves up so they don't need to call someone like me later. So when I say that, what I mean is first and foremost, is your risk mitigation strategy as an entrepreneur or a business owner. That means reducing your risk as much as possible so that you are protected, so that you don't lose your family home, so that you don't lose your savings or your assets, so that you don't end up with a company that's being wound up. So it's your risk mitigation. And it doesn't matter where you are in the world, your risk mitigation strategy is three things. It's comprised of three things. One is your business structure. Two is your insurance. And three is your legal documents, because in your legal documents sits your legal compliance for whatever industry you are, wherever country you are, your legal compliance is different so that you meet that in your legal documents. And that's where you set out what it is that you're doing in your business. And that's where all your protections are, like the clauses that lawyers love, warranty clauses, limitation of liability. That's where it all sits in your legal documents. So as an entrepreneur or a business owner, you need to make sure you're across your risk mitigation strategy. Have you got the best business structure for you, for you and for your business? Have you got the insurance you need? And oh my gosh, to this day, I'm surprised at the amount of people that say to me, I don't have insurance yet. Get on that if you don't. And three is your legal documents. And again, still really surprised at the amount of people who haven't yet prioritized their legal documents. Again, Get on that. If that is you, get on that. We don't wait with this stuff. When you've got those three things in place, you can sleep at night. You know when you get that sinking stomach feeling and you're lying there and you're going, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I've done all the things. I don't know if I've done this. And then when you start thinking about legals, you go, oh, your stomach churns and you think, oh, I don't even know where to start and it's going to be overwhelming and complicated and I'm going to feel silly and it's going to be expensive and, oh, I don't even want to talk to a lawyer. Yeah, that. That's what we overcome in this business. So you don't have to worry about any of those things because we're not like that. But two, you want to get on that so that you don't have that feeling. So when you are lying in bed thinking about things, you go, yep, got that, got that, got that done. Fantastic. And my view is get yourself set up properly once. You don't have to do it again. It's not one of those recurring things. So when we dive into legal protections, There's three areas that you need to focus for your legal documents and your legal protections to answer your questions. So if you are a service-based business, and I'll talk about product-based in a minute, but if you're a service-based business, you need to make sure that you have an agreement or a contract in place for what it is you're doing with your clients. You can call it anything. You can call it your client service agreement, your design agreement, your coaching agreement, whatever you want. You can call it whatever. But that is the agreement you have with your clients. 
all of your compliance and regulatory issues are going to be dealt with in there. And what you're doing in there is you are setting out the expectations between you and your client. It's the document, the most important document you'll have with your client to navigate that relationship. And I'm all about long-term sustainable success. And so if you do this right, my view is this document is a really important tool to manage that relationship and build and grow. And you want to develop your brand and your reputation and all of those things. You start there. What are you doing for your client? What are you not doing? How are we going to do it? What are we? What are you paying? Is there a refund and cancellation policy that's relevant? What warranties or promises are you making? And importantly, what promises are you not making? Your liability protections, your dispute resolution, what jurisdiction are we talking if something goes terribly wrong? Where are we going to deal with this? All of that gets done in a beautifully tailored, branded contract that you use in your business, which is on brand for you. It's not 45 pages of legal speak. It's not one of those documents that you look at and think, I don't even know what this means. If you get it done properly, you never have to worry about that. You'll always know. That is the start of where your legal compliance and your legal protection comes from. And they're really cool looking documents. They don't need to be long and dry and boring. Brand it up. Use your color scheme. We always do it. Make sure we've got your language through there. Contracts don't have to be dull and dry. I actually, if if you've been following me for a while, you'll have heard me say, I think contracts can be sexy. And I'm not just saying that because I enjoy them so much. They really can be. That's where you would start. And then we would look at privacy and we would look at your website. Most businesses these days, as you say, are online. So most businesses, service-based or product-based, will have a website. So make sure you've got website terms and conditions to protect what's happening on that website. And that can be as little as, here's my services, send me um, an inquiry or book in here, or here's my online courses, or here's my freebie download, or here's my membership, or here's my subscription. Tons of things happen on websites. So get those right so you've got that protection of your material on your website and then depending where you are and what your business is have a look at your privacy obligations so in Australia we're governed by the Commonwealth Privacy Act which says we have to tell people what we're doing with their with their data and how we're collecting it and and how we're going to disclose it you've got to have that and depending on what country you are if you're in an EU country or if you're in the states you've got to just basically say the same thing but in a bit of a different way to comply with the applicable legislation there. So your client service agreement, your website terms and conditions, and your privacy policy. Now, if you're an e-commerce business or a product-based business, your website and your privacy, they're the same. You still need those, but you don't need a client service agreement, obviously, but you do need to have all of your terms of purchase, all of your refund policies, your warranties, your dispute resolutions, shipping, all of those things need to be set out. And you set those out in a different way in different places on the website. So essentially, though, it's still the terms that govern what you are providing to your client, what I'm selling you or what you're buying from me. And that applies if you're an online coach. You might have courses or memberships or, you know, masterminds. Whatever it is you're doing with your clients, make sure you've got the proper documentation in place. That is where you get those really sexy business legals. That's where you get that legal compliance and you are really beautifully ticking off one of the most important elements in your risk mitigation strategy to set your business up. I hope that's not boring and dry. That's really it in a nutshell. (laughs) No, you covered that beautifully. There's so much packed in there. I think... I want to go back to something you said at the beginning of what to do to protect yourself, right? So you were talking about insurance is one thing I think many people get scared of. Mm-hmm. So um, let this be all of our reminder, get that done. Um, but one I know I hear a lot and we hear a lot, we've had these conversations early in our own businesses, we hear from side hustlers, is there tends to be, I think, a hesitation to file a legal business entity. So what would you say to someone who's maybe a little nervous about that or would prefer they're trying to just try out a business, they don't necessarily want to incorporate? How do you navigate that with someone? Yeah, great question. And I do navigate this a lot because it's common and lots of people either do one of those two things. They're either scared or I want to just give this a go first and see if it turns into anything before I do it. So the way I start when I have this conversation is start with the end in mind. What do you ultimately want to achieve with this business? Because everyone's different. 
Some people genuinely want this to be a side hustle that they can dip into and out to, no pressure, as and when time allows. And that's awesome. If that's what you've identified that you want to do, absolutely. Other people really want this to replace their income for their family and they want this to be a legacy or they want it to be a family business or they want to grow the team. They want to really grow and they want to hit that million dollar, two million dollar mark in five, ten years or, or whatever it might be. But get crystal clear on what the end in mind is. What do you want to achieve? Once you've got that, the second thing I ask you is what is the risk in your industry? So if you are a business coach or a beautician or a beauty therapist, you have a certain element, a certain level of risk. If you're a lawyer, your risk is a hell of a lot higher. If you're a financial advisor, again, higher risk. Go back down to the lower end of the spectrum and you've got, say, a copywriter or Facebook Facebook monitor, uh, moderator. They're lower risk, okay? We've got to factor it in though. So if you say to me, I'm an online business coach and I want to grow and I want to be the next Tony Robbins and I want to do all the things, lady, we're going to have a conversation about your company structure. You need a company structure to manage your risk, to keep you protected, but to also help you achieve those goals because you ain't doing that as a sole trader. It's not happening. And once I know where you want to go, I can tell you that really crystal clear so you understand it and I can explain to you why. You're not getting there as a sole trader and these are the reasons why. And we want to set you up so that you've got the flexibility, the fluidity, so that you've got the capacity and the vehicle to get you there. So we then have that conversation. If you say to me, I'm a copywriter and I like to do it in between naps with my kids and I've got one child, I want four, my husband works and this is what I want to do, all the power to you. We don't necessarily need to talk about a company structure for you, especially given what you've just told me, because your risk is low, you want to dip in and out of it, you want to keep your overheads low, your compliance costs low. You might come back to me in five years' time and say, you know what, I want to grow my team. We can have that conversation then because you can change. You're not locked in. But if you know now what your vision is, and I know, then I can give you the advice you need to set yourself up properly and to save all those really painful admin headaches which come with changing business structures. You can change, but it comes at a cost to your mental health because it is very time-consuming process. Trust me, I've done it. Um, but that's what I would say to that. I would say that if you are someone who, and I get asked this weekly, clients come to me weekly and they'll ask me this, Tracy, what are the different options? for business structure? What do I need to think about? What does each one mean? I will send you to my website and say you can just really easily download one of my really new masterclasses on there. So super affordable. So you can sit down at your own time and work it through and you get all the info you need to understand what those different options are. But I love that question. And I'm so glad you asked it. I can very much attest to that mistake. Uh, so <laughs> I just, for anyone listening, like give your attorney all hmm. the information. Yeah. <laughs> My husband and I started with one LLC and had to move things and add it. I think we're, we're at two LLCs. We'll probably be at three very shortly. A lot of rearranging. So uh, yes, I, as you were giving that advice, I was like, boy, I wish someone had said that to me a year ago. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yes. It's very common. You're not alone. You know that. I've been loving just listening to all this because I that reaching out to a lawyer has been the biggest barrier and just knowing, do I set up an LLC? Do I not? And one of the things I'm kind of curious as you were talking is a lot of people, if they're starting and maybe they don't know if they want to turn it into a business or not, they want to use a third party platform. So like, maybe selling their products on Etsy or Shopify or like the e-commerce platforms and such. Um, would someone need to set up their own legal protections with that in addition to like the terms and conditions that maybe Amazon already has on theirs or Shopify has on theirs? Great question. And the answer is it depends and it depends where you want to go. But even if you want to do that, it doesn't take away the necessity and the need for you to decide what your business structure is. 
So for Australian listeners, when you're talking LLC, what you're talking about is a proprietary limited company here in Australia, so a corporate entity. So you run your company either as a sole trader or as a company. We're just talking about those most two business structures. There's a couple more, but we don't need to talk about them for today because it's just confusing. And the most common are the sole trader where you do it in your own name or a company or an LLC as it's called in the States. That's where you've got a company running your business. But you still need to decide that even if you're going to go and use Amazon or Etsy or Shopify, you still need to decide what your business structure is. Now, depending on where you're selling, the answer is you need to have a look at what terms and conditions they've got. So For example, I spend a lot of time in my business redrafting Shopify terms because here in Australia, they don't do the things that they need to do to protect the business owner. They're a good base to start, but they're not comprehensive and they're not enough. I haven't redrafted Amazon, but I've never had a client ask me to even look at them. And similar with Etsy, I haven't had clients that that sell on Etsy either, but they do use a website or a WordPress set up as Shopify. But if you're going into a platform like an Amazon, you're bound by their terms. You're absolutely right. So my advice is to get the advice you need on what's my business structure? What am I doing? Do these do it? Is this enough? And the answer will be yes or no. And if it's no, then we can work out what we have to do to get you compliant and protected. Tracy, this might be um, almost something you've covered, but I am just a little bit curious when you're setting up a business entity, what is actually protected when you register a legal business with the government versus like purchasing insurance? Like, What protection does that offer? So your protection that you get from the business structure and your legal documents, so that's in the one, is am I compliant? So what are the rules or what is the legislation or what is the licensing that I need to have to go out and sell my services or my product? For example, I'm a lawyer. So the New South Wales Law Society governs what I do. I need to have a practicing certificate. Am I compliant? And I have obligations under that when I engage with a new client to give them certain information in a certain way. I'm regulated. I have to do it. What what are business coaches, depending on what type of coach or a money coach or an interior designer or a web designer or a graphic designer, where are you regulated? depending on what country you're in and what industry you're in, what do you need to do? Now, if I don't do those things, right, if I don't send out the client's engagement letters the way that I have to by law, if I don't do it, my insurance won't cover me if I get sued. So if you are in an industry where you're regulated and you need to do certain things and you don't do it, your insurance is not going to cover you. The second thing, insurance won't cover you always for everything. That's the truth. And so clients scratch their head and think, oh, my gosh, when am I covered or when not, when aren't I covered? And it depends on the industry and what you're doing, what you're selling um, or what your services are, what your product is. So having your legal documents in place plugs a hole that insurance won't cover. Insurance plugs a hole that your legal documents won't cover. So if you are selling services to somebody and you don't have your legal documents in place or you've gone and bought a template, which doesn't work because they really do, and you're exposed and your client says to you, I'm not going to pay this invoice to you because you should have done this and you should have done that. And you say, no, no, but we had all these conversations and we were getting along so well. You were so lovely. I did all the things and you should pay me. Your insurance is not covering that. Your insurance is going to cover you for negligence most often. It's not going to cover you because a client won't pay you. So you can see the holes and where each one fills the gap. The business structure, the gap the business structure fills is the protection and the asset protection you've got. So if you, if things go terribly wrong in your business and you're sued or you're in a big dispute and a client won't pay you a chunky invoice and what that means is you are now insolvent, you can't pay your bills. If you're a business, you're a company structure, your home is not on the line. Unless you've done certain things and breached the law in relation to fraud and some other corporations, things which we won't go into. Let's say you haven't. You're just generally trying to run a business and people aren't paying. Um, Your business structure protects your home. It protects your assets. It protects your savings. It protects all of those things. So if the whole thing gets wound up and you have to wipe your hands and say, okay, now I need to go and do something else, you've still got a home. Sole traders don't have that protection. Every single thing, every single asset in your name is exposed when you end up going down this horrible path. So they each got their, their role to play. I, I sort of visualise it as a triangle and together they come together to form 
your protections and your risk mitigation. That makes so much sense. Thank you for answering that, Tracy, because I think a lot of people have that confusion that, you know, maybe I could just get insurance or just do this one thing, but you're not fully covered all the way around. So that's super helpful. I think if that that alone could be a podcast episode. <laughs> We're covering a lot of episodes here. There's so many things we could talk about for hours and hours, but we won't. No, <laughs> that's right. No, that's really good. Well, I'm going to go ahead and, and move us forward a little bit. So beyond the like kind of legal structure and protections of business, one of your expertise areas is in like trademark and copyright intellectual property. And um, we've referenced online business owners several times in this episode. That is the space a lot of people occupy, which means there's a lot of intellectual property <laughs> going on. Would you talk a little bit, just like base level, what is the difference, first of all, between a copyright and a trademark and who needs which one? Yeah, absolutely. Love to. So when we talk copyright, we're thinking of a really big umbrella and lots of things sit under that umbrella. Trademark is one of the things that sit under that umbrella. So in simple terms, copyright is the rights that you have in your own original content. So if I go and write a blog on my website and it's all my original content, that's my copyright. You can't copy it, Jesse, regardless of whether you want to or not and how good you think it is. You can't copy it. It is mine. I don't have to register that anywhere. It's on my website. It's my own individual work. Everyone can see it. It's published by me. It's mine. I don't have to register it. It's my copyright. Now, my business name or my tagline that is something that I need to consider trademarking if it's really important to my business that I have exclusive rights to the use of that name or tagline in a certain class. So just because I have registered my business name and my URL doesn't mean I have exclusive rights to it. Somebody else can still use it. Now, my name's not a great one, but let's think Coca-Cola. They've got trademarks everywhere. Of course they have. You cannot use Coca-Cola and you know it. And boy, if you do, you'll feel the, the weight of Coca-Cola come down on you. That's because they have a trademark and they've registered it in every country. If you want, if it is really important to your business that your tagline or your product name or your course name or your business name is exclusive to you and only you in the area that you operate, you must apply for a trademark. It gives you that exclusive use of that name or phrase. Trademarks have to be applied for in each country. You want to protect it. So you can't just apply for it in Australia and think you've got worldwide protection. That's not the case. You've got to apply for it in each country of where you want that protection. Now, when you start going down the path of a trademark, it's not just simply the case of, oh, I really like this business name. It's important to me. I don't want anyone else to have it. I'm going to trademark it. No, no, no. You can't trademark something just because you want to. It needs to be trademarkable. So that's where it starts getting a little tricky. So what is general? What is general? What is unique to me? Is it a term or a phrase that needs to be used by the public? Take my business name, TM Solicitor. I can't trademark that. TM is the acronym for trademark itself. So everyone needs to be able to use that. And solicitor is a word that all solicitors need to be able to use. So TM Solicitor can't be trademarked. So you can have 20 of them if people were so inclined. But I've built a brand and I've got intellectual property on my website and I'm, I'm dealing with that in other ways. Coca-Cola, on the other hand, very unique, very descriptive. It is really important to them that they have exclusive use. It's not common. You don't use it in your day-to-day -day interactions. So clearly that's trademarkable. So once you start diving into this, you go, okay, am I able to register a trademark? Can I? And then you have to think about in each different country, what classes apply. So once we go down this rabbit hole, we're there for a while doing due diligence, getting across the different application processes. And then after we've done all the legwork, we get to a point of working out whether we can apply, if we can, what classes, what categories, and we go down there. So I hope that's somewhat of a starting point and helpful to understand copyright and trademarks and, and where it sits. Um, that's really the in a nutshell what we need to know when we're thinking about whether or not this applies to our business no that's fantastic that definitely gives a good a good overview and Tracy if you were talking to a, a business owner you know many of our listeners are pretty early stage entrepreneurs side hustlers 
just as you're thinking about the kinds of information, it sounds like most of their information is protected and that it's clearly from them. Uh, But what kinds of intellectual property should someone maybe be thinking a little bit more different, thinking differently about would be a better way to say that, Um, you know, in terms of like online courses or some of these like very common things that people are putting out there. What are those pieces of intellectual property that if someone listening right now is doing, you would say like, red flag, you need to be protecting. Yes, absolutely. Um, So like I said before, with your, if you've got stuff happening on your website, that's where people go to copy. Whether we like it or not, that, that happens. And sometimes it's intentional and sometimes it's not. It's just a flattery thing. But your website terms and conditions that I've talked about needs to cover your intellectual property protections in there. And if done properly, they will. So online courses or mastermind or coaching or content creation, or whatever it might be, you deal with it in those terms and conditions. Hey, guys, this is my stuff. This is my intellectual property. You can't have it. You can't copy it. I'm not giving. I'm not letting you enroll in my course to teach you all my things for you to go and copy my content and set up your own course. You can't do that. And we set it out in the terms and conditions just like that. All this imagery, that's mine. So what we do in that, in those circumstances is we grant a license and we do that in the terms and conditions. And we go, hey, Jesse, thanks so much for enrolling in my program. I'm going to grant you a license for you to use all of my content for the life of the program, but please don't copy it. Please don't give your friends the passwords to log into the portal. Um, Please don't do that. It's mine. You can't do that. That's the law. This is my intellectual property. But what you can do is use it and learn from it, and I really hope you get so much out of it. Now, if something happens and all of a sudden you realize someone's copycatting you on Instagram or someone's setting up their own course and they're using your stuff, we can do a really beautiful, easy cease and desist letter going, hey, Jesse, you've done the wrong thing. Maybe you didn't realize, but here's our terms and conditions. We've told you crystal clear. You can't do that. Please stop. Now, and that happens regardless of the country, regardless of where you are, you can send that. If you don't stop, the next step then is an injunction and legal proceedings. And in those terms and conditions, it's going to say to you, Jesse, just because you live in the States doesn't mean you can do this because this is the jurisdiction, this is what I'm going to do, and you're going to pay a lot of money if you don't do the right thing. And we can go down that path. So this is where we tackle our intellectual property for our online businesses, is making sure that we've got it done in our in our website terms and conditions properly. That's the beauty of tailoring these things, and this is why templates don't work, because you're not an intellectual property expert and you don't know what needs to be included. So you don't know if that template you purchased is going to do all the things you need it to do for your business. So that's where we tackle it. I love that. And it really goes back to that triangle once again of figuring out where your gaps are and how to protect yourself and kind of bouncing off of that. um, So you're mentioning that that templates just don't work well for people. And if someone wants to find a lawyer or someone that they can trust or good resources to start with, where could they start? And obviously you're a fantastic resource and I am (laughs) going to be following you because you make legal stuff fun, exciting, and sexy. I'm like, Yay! <laughs> Love to hear that. Well, I hope your listeners keep following you, but like if they maybe are in the States and they want to talk to someone about legal state um, or the specific state they're in, where do they start? That's such a great question. Um, and depending on the nature of the person and the personality and the industry will dictate where you start. So these days, a lot of people are going to go to search Google or search Instagram and start finding out who's available. And I say, yes, yeah, start wherever. Ask a friend, ask your network. Yes, do the Google. Yes, go to Instagram. We're all there. LinkedIn. But then get a feel for the person. Get a feel for them. And do you like their vibe? And if you don't, move on. Have a conversation. That's the first thing I would say. And it's so similar to dating, isn't it? So do I like his vibe? Do I like her vibe? Oh, my gosh, um, I really want to talk to this person. And then you talk to them and you go, oh, it's a hell no. Or you go, yes, tell me more. I want to talk to you some more. Same thing goes because if you're not vibing with the person, if you're not feeling comfortable talking to them, move on, find another. There's plenty of lawyers out there. Um, You shouldn't be made to feel uncomfortable Clients come to me and say, um, the last lawyer I had made me feel silly. Never, ever should you be made to be, well, never, never, ever should you feel silly when you're talking to anyone 
personal, professional, anything, certainly not a lawyer, move on, find another one. Most lawyers will have the opportunity to jump onto a discovery call with them. If they don't, again, move on, find someone who does because this is really important and if you get the right one, they should be a part of your team going forward where you've got a point of contact and you can reach out and go, hey, Tracy, this client has just said this or done this or what do I do here or, hey, guess what, I'm growing my team, whatever it might be. Think of it as a long-term sustainable thing. So put in the effort to, to dig around, find a few, look, try before you buy, have a few conversations, make sure you're gelling and make sure you feel good because you should because the most important person in that relationship, it's you. That's such a good way to say that. It really, I think there's so many things in business that honestly do feel like dating. I have made that comparison about hiring before. So hiring a contractor or a lawyer makes total sense. Yes. (laughs) It's got to be the right fit. Yeah, definitely. So Tracy, I want to ask you a little bit more about your own business. So one of the things we love is uh, hearing from people that are doing business differently, right? They are unapologetically themselves and really owning that. And that's one of the things we love about you. Tell us a little bit more. You told us before the interview that you've incorporated some pro bono work into your law practice as well. We want to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah, I'd love to do. Let's talk about that. Um, Yes, we have. At the moment, it's just been really fly by the seat of my pants, clunky. Someone comes along and I really want to work with this person to help them and it may not be budget friendly to them at the moment. So I just take a punt on at that particular point in time and say, hey. So at the moment, we've got 5%. So 5% of our time and our gross revenue budget, well, we allocate to pro bono. And it's just been something that has evolved naturally because it was really important to me that people who really want, they're really engaging with this content. They're really engaging with my vibe and the way that I think and the, the way I can help protect them and and they're taking that prevention is better than cure but once you get to budget the whole thing falls down and they say oh well no now I can't do it so my pro bono practice started unintentionally again with me saying I don't want people to be penalized just because it's outside of budget so I've done two things one is I've incorporated a payment plan option um, which works and that then is often um, more affordable for people we all love a good payment plan option but the second is pro bono and so if I see a business that really I believe in and it's going places, that's when I say, will you please let me contribute by doing this part on a pro bono basis? I'm not doing you a favour. It's not charity. It's not pity. It's none of those things. And pro bono can often be packaged that way and that's completely inconsistent with my Empower ethos. But instead it is, oh, my gosh, the world needs more people than you. Please let me contribute to this. I'd like to, to contribute in this way. So that's how it started and that's how it's going. And feels so good being able to do that. And again, because it's my business, I don't have to go and run it past anybody except my finance and numbers team to make sure it's all working and it is. But next year, which is so close, I can't even believe we're at the end of September and we're talking about next year, but it's just around the corner. I'm going to be launching our pro bono program for small business for small businesses and that is going to be a by application so it's not just me cruising along going yep yeah, I'm really fortunate to be blessed with connecting with some amazing people there's actually going to be a program where more people know about it by application and it'll be um, staged it'll open twice a year and it'll be um, a process where the criteria is consistent and transparent and that more people can hopefully access the protections and the services that we're offering in our business I love that. I love how you are just spinning law and legal protections, uh, flipping it upside down and, and making it so different and, and changing the way we look at pro bono too. And as, as more of, I want to invest in you as opposed to you need our help. It's, it's an investment into the future and into successful businesses. And, um, it, it gave me all the feels as you were talking. So, so I'm excited to see where your programs go over the next year. Thank you, um, Lauren. It's more, and I really feel that too, by flipping it around and asking the business owner for the opportunity to contribute. Yeah, it, it does change the way we look at pro bono because it, it feels like a privilege. It feels like a privilege to be able to connect with people and be to be able to ask, can I please contribute to this because I believe in this so much. And I love it. Every single day when I sit down, every single day when I sit down at my computer to do my thing, I just light up. I love it every day. That's fantastic. 
Well, Tracy, kind of tailing off of that, as you're right, it is crazy that we're already, we're recording here at the end of September. This episode is going to come out nearly the end of the year. It will be out in November. So as people are listening, this will be really at the end. Yeah. What's your vision for your business in the next five years? Where is TM Solicitor headed? I, again, it's organic and I don't have monetary figures. It's not like we're going to hit this amount, we're going to do this. It is just I feel privileged to be surrounded by an all-female team doing what we do. My junior solicitor is off on maternity leave and I feel privileged to be able to offer that to her with complete peace of mind knowing that this job is hers to come back to whenever she wants and she will have more children and I love her and I feel privileged to be able to do that and I want to offer that to more women. Um, What that looks like for five years is I don't know but what I do know is that we are going to be acting completely consistent with our values, grounded in our empower ethos and whatever that may bring, it will bring. Provided we're anchored there in that ethos and those values, I'm good to go wherever this business wants to go. That's such a good attitude. I love that perspective on it. <laughs> Definitely mixing together your own goals with being open to where life takes you. Yeah. Because <laughs> we never know. That's business and life has taught me. We do not know what tomorrow holds. And so being fluid <laughs> with that takes the pressure off. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, Tracy, I want us to go ahead and jump into weekly wins here before we run out of time with you. We have so much more we could talk about, but um, Weekly Wins is one of our favorite segments on imposter women. This is our chance to share um, wins, however big or small, in our businesses. And we really hope for everyone listening right now that that lifts you up as well to share your wins with so those around you or with us, because we'd also love to celebrate them. So we'll go ahead and dive in. Tracy, you want to kick us off? What has been your weekly win in your business this week? Oh, absolutely. Um, And I love this segment on your podcast because I listen to the podcast, obviously. Um, My weekly win has been the uptake of my newly launched The Empowered Entrepreneur Masterclass Series. So I've been working on that all year. It's a masterclass series that we launched a couple of weeks ago where we've on the website, there's five really accessible masterclasses available at really low price points, again, to make it accessible on the five areas that I get asked about the most. And this week, um, so yes, a couple of weeks ago at launch, that was amazing. Oh my gosh. But the uptake and the feedback this past week, that's my weekly win. It's probably my monthly or six monthly win, to be honest. But just knowing that it's delivering the value that I had my heart set on it delivering, that's my win. That's fantastic. That's a lot to celebrate there. Accomplishing a big goal, a big project, and the positive feedback thereof. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It was team effort, and I'm so happy that that's out in the world. Yes. Congratulations on that. (laughs) We'll have to take advantage ourselves. (laughs) Lauren, what's going on in your business this week? Uh, Yeah. So I would say I kind of have two big weekly wins. I am getting back into candles. I've kind of gone back and forth with that. So I made my second batch uh, to test. And so I'm excited because I have to wait about seven days for the candles to curate. And um, so that should be this week that I can start testing those. And then hopefully I'll have my product down, at least the jars and the wicks and everything to start moving forward. And then I've also been side hustling and I hit my 500 mark. $500 sales mark uh, with flipping stuff on Facebook market and shipping on on eBay. So I'm really excited about that. It's just a fun passion thing. And I love hearing people's stories of what they're using that product for that they have just purchased. So that's my weekly win. What about you, Jesse? Well, first, Lauren, that's awesome. You have so much going on over there right now. And I don't know if our listeners know yet, but you also are officially out of your job. You quit your job. So you're yes. you're running on things. <laughs> yes, I quit my job last Friday. It wasn't the right fit for me, but I am diving into some other things and um, side hustling and looking for full-time work at the same time. But I'm just enjoying and figuring out what I need to be doing. <laughs> That's awesome. 
Well, my win this week is a little bit smaller, but that's okay. That's the beauty of weekly wins. Sometimes they're gargantuan and sometimes they're little milestones. Um, And this week for me has just been my work life. My W-2 life has been very busy. So um, this last week, I definitely got back into some of our projects alongside my husband, which was very fun. Um, And this week, we got our duplex that we're renovating ready to paint. So... That'll be my my next step is to actually put paint on the walls. That taping and covering and prepping takes forever. So it's done. <laughs> Congratulations. That's a very time-consuming win as well. <laughs> yeah. So when you see me this time next week, I'll just look like a paint blob, but that's fine. <laughs> Both of these things have just lit you both up so much listening to this. This is this is so good. You can just hear it in your voices talking about these things. This is so lovely to hear. <laughs> yes, thank you, Tracy. That's that is actually the the best part about the wins. And for everybody listening right now, we want to really encourage you. We say this every week, but we would love to hear your wins as well. So please do send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook or email them to us because we want to celebrate with all of you. Tracy, this has been so much fun talking with you today. You are a gold mine of information for business owners and side hustlers. Thank you so much for joining us. Before we finish, would you share with all of our listeners, where can they find you? Oh, of course. And Lauren and Jesse, thank you so much for having me. I've had so much fun talking to you both on this episode. Yes, absolutely. My Instagram handle where I'm fairly active is at TM Solicitor. So you can always find me there. Or of course, over on the website where we've got loads of nuggets of gold and information for you. And that is tmsolicitor.com.au. Perfect. We will link all of that in the show notes so everybody can easily find Tracy after the episode. Thank you so much for being with us and have a great week, everyone. Thanks so much, both of you. Thanks for joining us, Tracy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Imposter Women. You can visit the episode description to find all of the show notes from today's episode. We'd love if you would send us your weekly win at imposterwomen at gmail.com and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts to help others find this community. Be sure to tune in next week as we continue to help you chase your dreams unapologetically. See you on the next episode of Imposter Women.